This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Gladiator. Who is he? Will you remove your helmet and tell me your name? My name is Gladiator. Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance. Today I saw a slave become more powerful than the Emperor of Rome. They said you were a giant. I shall cheer for you. At my signal, unleash hell. What we do in life echoes in eternity. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Gladiator, and the story is as follows. Commodus takes power and strips rank from Maximus, one of the favored generals of his predecessor and father, Emperor Marcus Aurelius, the great Stoic philosopher. Maximus is then relegated to fighting to the death in the gladiator arenas, seeking his revenge. The film is starring Russell Crowe, Joaquin Phoenix, Connie Nielsen, Oliver Reed, Derek Jacoby, Jaiman Hansu, and Richard Harris. It is directed by Ridley Scott, and it is written by David Franzoni, John Logan, and William Nicholson. Here to join me today for this throwback podcast review, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And joining us here as guests on the shows, first of all, we have a return here from Awards Watch, Jay Ledbetter, everybody. Ready to enter the arena, the Coliseum. Let's do this. And for the first time here on the show, you've probably heard his voice on the Nerd Soup podcast, Aaron Samuel, everyone. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us here. Time to find out if you are still entertained 23 years later. This is a movie that went through a pretty wild production history, actually, up until its release in the year 2000. It has been credited with reviving the sword and sandal epic genre at the time of its release. It was uh, pretty innovative in the way that it also utilized CGI effects. Um, it went on to win, of course, the Oscar for Best Picture, along with a few others at the 73rd Annual Academy Awards. It was a box office hit. And... During this time in his career, I would argue, really gave Ridley Scott a pretty substantial shot in the arm uh, that really changed, I think, the trajectory of his career. Mm -hmm. And he's been, in, in a lot of ways, kind of riding the success of this film ever since. Every time I see a new film from Ridley Scott, I always see from the director of Gladiator pretty much being used somewhere or another. So this is a film that has devoted uh, has a devoted following. And has, over the years, just continually entertained people uh, with its 
very simple story of revenge, but also one that really transported us back to ancient Rome and showed us uh, a side of history that uh, we had not really seen in cinema for quite a few decades up until this point, at least on this scale. You know, you have to kind of like go back to the 1950s and the golden era of Hollywood to find films that were on this size and scale. Um, And so all these years later, it is going to be interesting, I think, to hear from you all what you all think of it, especially as we kind of view it in context with Ridley Scott's career as we get ready for the release of Napoleon, uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, this film also, first time that Ridley Scott worked with Joaquin Phoenix, and uh, that's another one where it's very interesting to see where Joaquin Phoenix was back then compared to where he is today. So a lot of changes a lot of techniques that uh, Scott used to use that we don't primarily see him use that much anymore, and some that we do. Uh, what do you all think of it? We're going to start off first with Jay. Jay, tell us, general thoughts, what do you think of Gladiator? I mean, it's it's a fascinating just thing to to be rewatching. This was the first R-rated movie I ever saw, um, which is just kind of, an, it holds an interesting place in my heart for that reason, and Watching it now, like you said, 23 years later, I do have a few issues with the movie. It is very much a movie of its time with its over-editing and its overuse of slow motion and a lot of the effects really don't hold up. The details of this thing are not always effective for me. But the broad strokes, just the the general epic nature of the story, the emotional beats all hit so hard. That super swelling score that finds Hans Zimmer in the transition period between like the Thin Red Line and Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, it's uh, it's so effective on just like a macro level that I can't help but really fall for it by the end, even though I do have some issues with some specific things and that might just me be me, you know, overanalyzing some of that stuff. But, um, broadly it's a great, great time at the movies, captivating film. All right. Aaron Samuel, how about you? What do you think of gladiator all these years later? No, I think it still holds up. We were talking before we started about just how it's one of those movies you can put on at any moment. If you catch it on TV and just get sucked right back in and just, keep going with it just because of the familiarity but it's still one of these movies i go back to like maybe once every couple years and always enjoy it's actually funny i was thinking before because i remember my grandparents they hate this movie because they want to go see it in the theaters and they walked out because it was too violent which is funny (laughs) from a movie called gladiator so every time we talked about this movie or i tried to watch it when i was over their house they wouldn't they would bring up that story but I think it's like one of Ridley Scott's best for me personally, Um, probably behind Alien and Blade Runner. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Josh Parm, how about you? Uh, What do you think of Gladiator? Uh, Well, you know, this is a movie that 
I definitely do also remember watching when I was younger uh, and kind of growing up with it. But oddly enough, it's not a movie that I return to very often, even though I have always had fond memories of it being entertaining and enjoyable. I haven't really watched it that much throughout the years. So this was the first time me of me rewatching it for this discussion in, in quite some time. And I will say that I think this movie is still absolutely entertaining. I was, I did find it pretty engaging with its spectacle and with the kind of whole atmosphere that it was going for. But I also think this thing had absolutely no business being anywhere near the Academy Awards, <laughs> in my opinion. I think that this is a very, very entertaining movie, and it definitely is a throwback to those older films. I think it is a throwback in both good ways and bad. The spectacle, as I said, is amazing to witness, but I do think that the story it is trying to tell, uh, yeah, as was mentioned, is pretty broadly drawn. And I think that leads to some kind of weak characterizations. I think it leads to some stilted dialogue and... I could tell that I really wasn't getting that invested in the overall narrative. And I think that for me held it back from being a really great movie. It's still good. It's still entertaining. It's still easily recommendable, but I don't think it really is like this masterpiece of cinema that it is looked at in some corners. So I enjoy the movie, but looking at it now, I don't think I would really say it is a great one either. I would say that, Considering all that could have gone wrong with this movie, and also, too, in the greater context of Scott's filmography since the release of Gladiator and seeing him return back to the historical epic genre a couple of more times since then, it's amazing to me how well Gladiator still holds up, I think, all these years later. Um, I, I think we've seen... Scott at his best and at his worst within this genre. And I think Gladiator represents maybe the best. I don't know. I go back and forth between this and the extended edition of Kingdom of Heaven, uh, which if you allow me to count that, I would argue that might be his best. Uh, but here, I think what still works is the simplicity of the story. It works in favor of the film, but also to its detriment to what you're saying, Josh, as well. But I also think that there are little details in this that I don't traditionally tend to see in a lot of Ridley Scott films nowadays. There are certain elements to it in the way that the character of Maximus is portrayed and given humanity and life through Russell Crowe's commanding performance, but also in the quieter moments as well for him that I just think resonate on an emotional level for an audience to get really invested in his story that by the end of it, you know, you're rooting for this guy so, so much to get his revenge on this absolute dipshit of a power-hungry emperor <laughs> played by Joaquin Phoenix, who I just like, you know, God, I hate that guy. <laughs> oh, weasel. On a technical level, Scott doesn't disappoint. He rarely ever does. So the crafts are all there, but I, I, and I've said this all throughout his career. I feel like I see it as on every Ridley Scott review that we ever do. Scott himself is working at his best when he has a script that works. It doesn't have to be a great script. It just needs to work. And I think this is the definition of that where is it high art? No. Is it an entertaining blockbuster? Absolutely. Did the script have all the beats it needed to establish in order for it to be successful and work for a mass audience? Clearly, mm. the result is all there. 
So I am still entertained by it, even though I would uh, not go so far as to say <laughs> best picture. I don't know. We can get to that later and we will get to that later, of course. But for now, just looking at the film as is on its own, I still love this movie. I, I un- unabashedly say it with a full heart. This Braveheart, The Lord of the Rings, hell, even Troy, if you catch me on a good day. I just love big movies told on this scale, swords and blood and guts. And, you know, it's just I don't know. There's something about this genre for me that has always captivated my imagination. And really, I think when a filmmaker is able to to immerse you in the time period using a, a good blend of practical effects uh in some cases cgi in some cases not going back to pre-cgi uh films but i think too something that this genre has lost over the years is that when they were shot on film before digital came along these films just had a different quality to them altogether that transportive quality really registered for me back in this era most of all uh this is obviously like what yeah a year before lord of the rings comes out so this is like Matt Neglia cinema, like at its peak, as far as like ideal. This is what I want movies to be. Um, whereas today, I feel like a lot of movies are struggling. Ridley Scott's own films included to recapture that same feeling. Now, you can argue it is because films are shot digitally. You can argue it's because there's more studio interference now more than ever. You can say it's because. Maybe sometimes these scripts are overworked because people feel, oh, we've done that before. Audiences have seen it all. But you know what? I think this script really does get like stripped down to its bare essentials. And while that lacks then a subtle amount of nuance in the storytelling, once again, you just can't deny that it works at the end of the day. It really does have a power because of that simplicity, which I understand might turn some people off, but... If you look at it just for general audiences, of course they were going to eat this thing alive. And this was Ridley come of, coming off of three box office disasters. Yeah. And uh, he needed a hit. And boy, did he get a hit with this one. Uh, commercially, uh, critically, at the at the awards. It, it is a movie that I can't help but admire just for the fact that it did really capture the culture in that way. And I think part of why it captured the culture is that Russell Crowe is stupendous in this movie. Mm -hmm. The way that he is, I, I always talk about my favorite movie stars are the movie stars who have the chops, but they also have this innate kind of indefinable presence to their performances. Russell Crowe during this era, am I wrong? In my mind, I remember that Russell Crowe was the biggest movie star on the planet for like five years after this. There was definitely a, a stretch between, I would say, L.A. Confidential in 97 through to like the mid 2000s. Like I think up until 310 to Yuma, basically, because like, that year he had that in American Gangster. But then after that, it was like Body of Lies. Yeah. You know, he put on some weight and people were like, oh, it's just for the role. And then it just turns out that every role he takes now requires him to put on weight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that and add a bit of laziness to his to his work as well. Like that leading man star power quality that he had. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, definitely. I would say a decade between 97 and 2007. Like that was peak Russell Crowe. Yeah. I mean, he was the biggest deal in the world. And the way that he sort of underplays so many parts of this movie 
I, I think are such a huge asset to this thing that is so grand and uh, brash and in your face with its epic scale. So his ability to kind of turn the knob down a little bit on his performance until he really has to explode. He's, he's a bit of a ticking time bomb in this movie. And so when you have this guy who is so quiet and stoic, all of a sudden give the, are you not entertained speech in the Coliseum? It makes you just want to freaking jump out of your seat and pump your fist. I, I, I think this is, it might not be his most complicated performance, but it is certainly i think the most important performance of his career as far as establishing himself as a true blue hollywood icon hey everyone sorry to interrupt but this is a preview of our review for gladiator here on the next best picture podcast in order to get the over two hour long review you will have to head on over to next best pictures patreon where for one dollar minimum a month you'll get the rest of this review and other exclusive podcast content from us as well You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.